You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. But uh, I'm going to put a challenge out to you if I can, just from pastor here. Uh, and we're not starting yet, waiting for a few more to join on. But I want to challenge you if I can in this season. We've been back in house, then we were back online, and now we're getting ready to go back in person for a few weeks, but the holidays are upon us. So everything's sort of in a, uh, as my wife would say, sort of in a funk. And uh, there's a real challenge for us to get distracted, to, to get so busy that we don't, uh, we're just ready for the routine. And I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes I'm just so ready for January to get here, to let life get back to normal. Um, but I want to put a challenge to you, and that's this, that through this season and all the chaos and all the stuff that's going on, whether you're able to be in church or whether you're not able to be in church, my challenge is three things. One, that you would connect with God's Word, because God's Word really is the direction. It's, it's the uh, parameters for our life. Um, it is our direction. It directs our paths. So connect with God's Word. Maybe you can't do that every day, but you can take something, a, a moment somewhere in the day to connect with God's Word, but especially at times during the week. And that's one beautiful thing about the church service that facilitates that, but even on your own personal time, connect with God's Word. The second thing, connect with God's Spirit. Stay connected with the Spirit of the Lord. We are spiritual beings, and God is, is Spirit, and uh, they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. So connect with the Spirit of God. Don't uh, let your religion uh, just go dormant, but let the Spirit of God, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that's within you. So connect with God's Spirit. And then the third thing is connect with the body of Christ. Connect with God's body. And that is the church. Connect with the church. Um, we cannot live for God in isolation, and we need one another. Now more than ever before, we need one another. And there are people that need you as well. So connect with God's word, connect with God's spirit and connect with God's body, connect with God's church. Um, you need the church. My son is here. So Luca here, Bubba, mama's right down here. Okay. So he's connecting right now with the body of Christ, <laughs> uh, connect with God's body. Um, I was thankful to hear in Thanksgiving time that there were several that uh, reached out to those that were in need. And uh, some uh, called me and said, so-and-so dropped a plate off of Thanksgiving meal to me. And I was blessed to hear that because that's what the church is about, standing uh, in the gap for one another and uh, helping one another. So be sure to connect uh, with God's body. So those are the three things that I would challenge you to do. Thank you for joining us here tonight at CTK. I want to highlight here we are already in the month of December. Who would have ever thought that 20 2020 uh, would have gone by so fast, it seems in some ways that it's gone by quick, in other ways it seems like it has just been lingering on and on. But we're coming down to our year-end uh, giving focus here at CTK, and as is our custom every year at CTK, we make a big push to raise funds in the last month of the year. And not one penny of those funds stays here in this local church, but goes to help ministries beyond. We believe that it's more blessed to 
give. And this is a season for giving. And so our highlights, I want to continue to highlight, and you'll hear us talk about that, is Project Dominican. We're building someone else's phase one before we build our phase two here and raising a church there. Thank God, praise God for $17,000 that have come in. We need $20,000 to purchase the building and then $30,000 to be able to have some extra, uh, the extra $10,000 to be able to complete uh, and remodel the building there. So, but uh, I know you're helping us with that. Thank you for that. And then the second thing is Christmas for Christ. Uh, this is an offering we take every year that helps North American missions right here in North America. All of that goes out. And then the third one you'll hear me talk about a little bit more is the Guatemala Children's Home. And this is an orphanage uh, run by the United Pentecostal Church in Guatemala. It's a great blessing to those people there. So put that on your radar, if you will, for December. I know this is uh, Cyber Week and, and Giving Tuesdays and all these special days, but put that on your radar and uh, just pray and let the Lord lead you as seems fit. I want to invite you right now, if you will to join me in prayer. And we're continuing our series here called Because I Am, a look at the Ten Commandments. And so tonight we're going to continue with a couple more of these. And I really want the Lord to touch our heart. I really wish that you were here in the building because this is uh, perhaps maybe the, the pivotal point of this lesson, maybe one of the most important parts for being able to understand the interpretation of the Ten Commandments of what Christ gives to us. And so I want you to join me if you can in prayer. Let's just ask God to open our hearts. So maybe you're catching this live. Maybe you're going to be tuning in a little bit later on. Maybe you're going to be catching this on the podcast uh, later on down the road. But I want us to pray that God would open up our hearts to his word and that he could speak into our soul tonight. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you tonight, God, for your blessing. I thank you for the privilege that we have to worship you in spirit and truth. I thank you for your word that is so powerful powerful, and yet so clear in our life. I pray tonight that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our understanding. God, open up our spirits that we can receive your purpose and your intent. Help us to see the things that you have for us. And I pray that your word would be our teacher tonight and our encourager, God, our admonisher in life, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. If you're at home, just give somebody a hallelujah wave there. Put something, uh, praise the Lord in the comments or something and and uh, let, let one another uh, see you praising God. We're not here to worship corporately, so it's virtual tonight. And uh, we're doing this by way of the medium of the Internet. Amen. We're going to continue. I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you have your notebooks and your pens. If not, uh, you can push pause there. Uh, you can't do this when you're in church. You can't pause the preacher, but you can when you're at home watching. And people say, don't say anything about that. But I know y'all are doing it anyway. So I might as well go ahead and say it. So grab your Bible, grab your notebook, grab your pen, and let's open up. And go back here to the word of the Lord. We're reading in Exodus chapter number 20. And for those of you that are just catching this for the first time, uh, maybe you didn't catch our other uh, part of the series previously. We are looking at the Ten Commandments and the title of the lesson is Because I Am. And the reason for that we spent at length in previous uh, uh 
installments of this, uh, talking about the fundamental truth of I am the Lord thy God, Jesus says, or, or God says, which brought thee up out of Egypt. And this is uh, when Christ was asked, what is the first and great commandment? He said, the first and great commandment is hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And he was taking the Deuteronomic summary that Moses made of the Ten Commandments, and Christ was talking about that foundationally, was on the revelation of one God, that God was one, that He was absolute, that there was no other God, that there was no other entity that we should worship and adore, but He was totally to be uh, uh, worshipped, not only worshipped and served, but He was the essence of our life. He was everything that we had. Paul said every good and perfect gift we have comes down from the Father above. So this was the foundation for the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord thy God, because I am uh, all of these other commandments, because God is, because he is, and because he's not just a God most high, but he's a God that has dealings with us. He's a God that stepped into our situation, that came down. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. He came down and met us. He found us. Because he is, he gives us these commandments. He gives us these guidelines, these parameters for life. So we're not just looking at the technical commandments, but we're really trying to unfold what we would call the paradigmatic nature or the paradigms, the big paradigms, the big idea behind here that, that God is giving to us. And one of the mistakes that's often made is that uh, God, <clears throat> that the law was incomplete and Christ comes to add to the law. And Jesus said, no, I didn't come to add to the law. I came to fulfill the law. So Christ endorses the law, but he shows us how we missed it, if you will. We missed it. So we talked about that and we went through the first four commandments. So tonight we're going to skip on down if we can to commandment number five. And, uh, Commandment number five is here in verse number 12. So we finished last, uh, last uh, the week before Thanksgiving talking about the Sabbath and keeping it holy and what that really meant. Uh, Moses spends more time on that commandment than any other commandment. And then we get into the fifth commandment, which is a pivotal commandment because now we are entering into the realm of when Christ was asked, what are the commandments? The first commandment is... Um, uh, love God, the second commandment, and if I reduce it down, you've heard this often, love God, love people. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So this fifth commandment is where in the Ten Commandments there's a change from, uh, it's sort of this hybrid from God to our inner workings with community, with people. And so in verse 12, here's the commandment. He says, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This is Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 12. So here he's telling us that we have a responsibility to honor our father and mother. Now that seems very simple. 
and then he attaches to it a, a promise that your days or uh, a promise, maybe a strong word, but, but there's a result. There's going to be a consequence, a positive consequence realized when you get this principle of honoring your father and mother. Now, it's important because... Uh, the word honor. I want you to highlight the word honor because we would expect the word to be obey or uh, in our human thinking, if we wanted, if, if mom and dad were to be the, uh, the great end all, obey them, serve them. That's not what it says. It says honor thy father and mother. So it's getting at something deeper than just obey because we all know that as a child, or if you have children, children, they can be obeying technically, but in their heart, their spirit is so far from respect and honor and, and even maybe a spirit of obedience, but they're just doing it because it's in their benefit in that immediate. We're probably all, we could probably all think back and, and be, be guilty of this. We can obey and still hate. But what this is getting at is it's saying we are commanded to honor Honor your father and mother. There's a respect. There's an intrinsic respect or value that we ought to hold our father and mother in regard. They may be flawed. They may have done things wrong. They may not be perfect. So therefore the word obedience is not there or obey is not there. But the word honor, to have a respect, to have a regard, this is the source of your life in this earth. So they, obviously God is our father. He's the creator, but they are the agents by which God allowed and God permitted your life to be breathed, your, your life to be birthed, to be born, honor thy father and mother. So you are to see them as, as the giver of life, I guess, in a certain token that there's a, a certain regard and a respect and an honor that we ought to have. This is where I came. If it was not for them, I would not be. So maybe they're not perfect, but I am here because of them. Therefore, any good that I can have is because of them. And of course, in this context, the good that I do experience, if I've, if I've made it to, to, to commandment five, I've already made it through, uh, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have any other gods before me, thou shalt have no graven image, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. If I've made it that far, this relationship that I have with God the creator, there's already benefits in my life, and so now I come to acknowledge that because they were, I am, and because he is, they were. So ultimately, my honor and my respect for my parents, for my father and mother, has as much to do with how much I honor and I respect God as the giver of life as it does how much I honor and I respect them. So that's why I say this, this commandment's a little bit of a hybrid. It's a hybrid because this has relation to God as the giver of life, but it also, it's the first commandment that deals with our interpersonal relationships with community, with mankind on this earth. Now, the biggest problems that we all have, usually in life, are people problems. In fact, I'd propose that most problems in life are people problems. And it can be, it can be tragic. It can be hard. So 
Loving God, that's the easy thing, but man, working out issues with people, that can be challenging. And this is where the Ten Commandments is so illuminating and it's so, uh, it's so strengthening when you follow it. There's a blessing that comes, but the foundation, before I can deal with other people's relationships, I've got to start. I have to start at this point of honor and respect. So, so before I can get to commandment six, where it says thou shalt not kill. And obviously we know that is to have regard for someone else's life. Before I can get to them, I have to have regard in this sense, honor your father and mother. Now notice what, notice what he said. The second commandment was Jesus said the second commandment was when he was asked Mark and Matthew, I think maybe Luke alludes to it as well. The first commandment, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Or thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. The second commandment is, is like this, he says, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So that phrase, as yourself, is an interesting thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. So not only is there to be love for your neighbor, there is also to be a regard for your own life. Not only do you value someone else's life, but you, you as a believer, as a child of God, as, as a creation entity of God ought to have regard for your own life. And where does that love your neighbor as yourself come into play? It comes into play here in, 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 Commandment number five. Follow me for a moment. Honor thy father and thy mother. We've already talked about how you could, uh, you know, di uh, disobey them or obey them and yet still hate them. But to honor them, to have a regard for this. This has to do with the respecting of life. So follow me here. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't respect life and the giving of life, honor thy father and mother, you won't regard your own life. So here is a powerful thing. Now I'm getting to the point. There's a positive consequence that comes from this. And this is the first commandment that they say is given with promise. And the promise is this, that if you do this, your days will be long upon the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Well, if you don't respect life and the giving of life, that's the honoring of your father and mother. You won't regard your own life. But if you regard life, you're going to take care. You're going to be, you're going to have cause for caution. You're going to have cause for concern. You're going to take care and be mindful of things. And when you live this way, when you live with not only a regard for your own life, but a regard for others' lives, you will live in such a way that your life will be preserved. So therefore, this commandment has promised long life because you've come to value and respect life. You will preserve your own life. Now, there are exceptions. Obviously, we would note exceptions. This is not a commandment that says if you do this, you're never going to die. That's not the case. There have been many people who have died prematurely 
from tragic accidents. Those are the exceptions. The Bible, we don't preach or we don't teach that uh, if somebody died early, it was because they didn't honor their parents. I've seen people, I, frankly, I've seen people who live in dishonor of their parents and seem to live long. And I've seen people who are very honorable to their parents, and yet their life is taken out uh, prematurely, taken early. So that's not, there's not speaking to the exceptions, but the general benefit is this. That when you regard life, when you honor your father and mother, when you have a regard for life, you will regard your own life and you will live in such a way that your life will be preserved. You're not going to be careless. You're not going to be wasteful. You're not going to just disregard mom and dad's advice. You may not agree with them when you're young. You may think that maybe they're not getting everything. Uh, they don't understand everything. But when you have a value, you know, okay, maybe they don't understand me and they don't get me, but there's still something to be gained here. There's still something to be honored here. And it's a powerful principle when you can learn to not only honor your elders, not only admire your elders, but to allow your elders to be able to speak in your life, to, to, uh, to allow them to be a blessing in your life. So this commandment would be the beginning of the interpretation, love your neighbor as yourself, which is the second summary of all the commandments. I want to go now to, uh, and I could spend more time on that, unfolding that. Maybe you parents and kids, if you're watching together here, maybe you guys could talk about how that plays out for you and how maybe you came to that point where you learned, hey, I have to have an honor here. Or how do you honor somebody that uh, maybe hasn't been the best person in your life? How can we still achieve that? How can we still do that? Um, in verse number 13, I want to go to the the simplest, if we can, commandment that is given. And this is probably as far as we'll get tonight. We're only going to get to one more commandment. So for those of you that are watching the clock, don't have to worry. Um, but this is, this is maybe the pivotal point, understanding this. And we have a template given to us by Christ himself, by which we can go and we can look at the rest of the Ten Commandments. But verse 13 simply says this, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13, and it says, thou shalt not kill. So that sounds simple enough. Thou shalt not kill. It's a good rule. I like this rule. If you like this rule, raise your hand. Um, this is, this, thank you, Brandon, for raising your hand. Uh, this is a good rule. Thou shalt not kill. So to kill uh, here in this passage specifically means to murder. Uh, so it would be the unnecessarily unnecessary taking of life out of anger or greed for just whatever impulse rage. This is not uh, preclude uh, the death penalty judgment uh, by uh, execution. I know some people don't believe in that, but... Um, you can't use this passage of Scripture because the law gives place for that later on, talking about judgments that are ordained uh, and approved only by God, not by man. So what this is, is the unjust or unnecessary taking of life. Uh, Thou shalt not kill. So this one should be the most obvious commandment of all the Ten Commandments. In fact, the most secular among the world would adhere to this commandment. They like this commandment. Uh, it's, it's even found that among the ancients, among Babylon and, and uh, the... Uh, 
early ancient civilizations, they would have a code of rules. Um, I've read the, the Babylonian code of rules, and, and a lot of their commandments uh, would mirror some of the things that you would see here. That would just be uh, makes sense, innate. Uh, that doesn't mean that Moses took the Ten Commandments from them like some have said. Uh, it just proves the point that God's creator, he's the giver of life. And there's something uh, instinctive about surviving and sustaining your own life. So thou shalt not kill. Now here is the challenge for not killing. Listen to me here. It's probably everybody has been tempted at some point in their life to take someone else's life. Not maybe to the extreme we're thinking of, but we have been so enraged where we in that moment just wish to inflict pain, wish they did not exist. You can hang around the schoolyard uh, just a little while and see how things play out. My, my family and I, we live behind an elementary school and their playground area, fenced in large playground area, uh, is right across the easement from our backyard. And many times in the, in the beginning of the, the summer, of course, not this year with the pandemic, but I'll sit out there in the morning or in the daytime and and uh, be reading or studying or whatever, or working out and 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 uh, in the yard and and hear the kids come out and you can watch them and you can see pretty pretty soon where the the little groups take and 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 we're all humans and we're people and the the scuffles and the fight and of course the adults are there to keep things from happening, but there's been some point in our life, probably not just limited to the schoolyard but probably beyond getting out of school where we have felt so enraged that we wish somebody else was not alive. It's, it's the thing that gets to us, but we don't kill them. We haven't killed them. So, aha, alas, we've kept the law and look at us. This was exactly the thing that the Pharisees, the Sadducees were keeping in the New Testament that Jesus condemned them for. Now, let me throw something out here to you. In order to live in this life and not kill people, not only means that you have to exercise restraint, but it also means this. You must learn to love. You must learn to forgive you must learn to live with simple injustices and even inequalities for a time because life has a way of coming full circle. And ultimately, God will settle the score and God will be just and God will even everything out. But while I'm on this earth, I've got to learn to go forward. I've got to learn to make progress. I've got to learn to deal with the heart, hard, hurtful, painful realities of what someone else has inflicted inside of my heart. And this is so, so difficult for us, truly. So you've never killed anybody. I've never killed anybody. I've never taken anybody's life. But in my heart, there's been angers. There's been frustrations. There's been bitterness. There's been, there's been uh, hatreds. And in this commandment, 
we, we see the extension of the communal factor. The communal factor that first began in the commandment before, honor thy father and mother. So it's the first mention of having a, a effect on our relationship with other human beings. But now we see this, that we cannot love God in a vacuum, but how we treat one another how not only how we treat one another, but how we feel about one another, because the paradigm of this commandment is not just I'm not going to kill them. The paradigm is I have to resolve the conflict of emotions that I am feeling. So I have to resolve my angers and I have to resolve the hurts and I have to resolve the bitterness and the prides and the, the hatreds and the envies and the lust. I have to resolve these things that cause me to wish that somebody else's life did not exist. This is the paradigmatic nature of the law. God did not just give this to them so that they would take somebody and choke them to the point of death, but before they died, stop and walk away and say, look, I didn't break the commandment. No, you inflicted maybe something that was even more hurtful than death. And Christ exposes this. So note the simplicity of the verse, thou shalt not kill. The only other commandment that is this simple is the one thou shalt not steal. Four words. Now he took how many verses? <laughs> to expound on the Sabbath. One, two, three, four verses to expound on one commandment, the Sabbath, the keeping of the Sabbath, four. And now here we are in commandment number six, and he only uses four words. But these four words are so powerful. And Christ gives us a profound unpacking and revealing of the true intent of this original commandment. So here we have in the New Testament, I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter five. Here we have in the New Testament, we have a case in point a case study of Christ interpreting one part of the Ten Commandments for us. And it's found in Matthew chapter number five. So in, in, the, uh, in the time of Christ, the Pharisees were the leading, uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees were the, the religious class. Uh, they made up the Sanhedrin uh, under the Roman government. I don't want to get into all of that. They were the, the rulers and sort of the directors of how everything went. And Christ in his Sermon on the Mount, which is probably one of the most powerful uh, exposés of Scripture, if you want to study something, man, and it just illuminates so much of the Old Testament and the New Testament and, and the future, just go to his Sermon on the Mount, which is three chapters in the book of Matthew. But in Matthew chapter 5, look at what he says here. He says, I'm not come to destroy the law. We talked about this in previous weeks, so I won't cover this. I'm not come to destroy the law. Uh, I'm, I'm come to fulfill it. But look in verse 20, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he's going to give us six case examples in the Sermon on the Mount of an interpretation of the Old Testament law. Six times he's going to say, you have heard it said. And he does this in chapter, chapter 5, verse 21. He says, ye have heard it said, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, 
Watch what he says. Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, we just read commandment six, and I remind you, it was four words. So this is important. You've heard it said, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. What Jesus is doing here is he's bringing the great contrast. And here's the contrast. The contrast is between the false interpretation of the law of Moses and the true interpretation or the true presentation by Jesus Christ himself. Now, too often, people have read this and thought, well, the law was incomplete, and what Jesus is doing here is he's adding something new to the law. That is not what he is doing here. What Christ is doing is he's destroying their false and incomplete, limited interpretation of the law of Moses, and Christ is giving us the true intent, the true presentation, spirit of the law, if you will, of Moses. He's fulfilling the law. And what this does for us is, first of all, it illustrates how spiritual the Old Testament law was. It was not just to be technical. The law was to be spiritual. And yet, so many of them missed it. Look at what he does. Uh, let's go on to verse 22 real quick. I don't, I don't know if you can throw this up there, Brandon. He said, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So Jesus is taking and he's saying, that I'm saying to you, the intent of the law was not just that you don't kill somebody, but it was that you would reconcile any causeless anger in your heart and that you would stop it from causing any expression of contempt. It would stop you, that your spirit, that this law would stop you from vilifying somebody else. And it would require you to reconcile the emotions that you carry in your heart. Now, this is powerful. So watch what he does here. He says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. Put, put verse 21 back up there if you can. And leave that up there. Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment, of the judgment. Now, let me interpret this for you. Are they wrong in what they said? They, they added to it, but someone would contend to say, no, they're right, because if you go to Numbers chapter 35, we're not going to go there, but if you went to Numbers 35 verses 30 and 1, uh, 30 and 31, it did say that if you killed somebody, it gave procedure for you to be brought before the council, which was the court, and you to be sentenced and to be dealt with. What they have done here is they have added to Exodus 20 and verse number 13, and they've put Numbers chapter 35, they brought them and put them together, which they're right, but there's something that happens when they bring them together. What they did was they said, thou shalt not kill, and if you kill, focusing on the technicality of it, emitting and bypassing the spirit of the original intent of that commandment, if you kill, you are going to have to answer to the court. So what they do is they limit the commandment, 
And this is what they were actually doing in this time. They were saying, if you kill, you have to answer to the court and the court is going to sentence you to death. So in doing two things, they, they gutted the commandment of the spirit of the law and they made it fall on the technicality of the law. And then they robbed God of the severity of his judgment and they inserted the judgment of the local court. And so here's what they were saying. This is what Jesus said. He said, I'm coming to you and telling you, you've heard it said that if you kill somebody, you're going to have to answer the court. He says, I say unto you, and here's the true intent. If you are angry at someone without a cause, you are in danger of the judgment, not the local court. You're in danger of the judgment of God. If you hold anger and bitterness and hatred in your heart, Jesus Christ himself said you're in danger with the judgment of God. He goes on and he says this. He says, if you say to your brother Raka, and that's, that's a word that doesn't get translated here, that literally means worthless fellow. So you're, you're in slander of someone. Look at what he says. You shall be in danger of the council. So if you stand out there and you have this in your heart, and you go and you start slandering someone, you're going you're gonna to have consequences on this earth. But then look at what he says. He goes on and he says, but whosoever shall say thou fool, thou fool. So when you get to the place to where you're willing to vilify somebody and you're willing to degrade somebody, and you're willing to push them so low, he says, you shall be in danger of hellfire. Wow. So when bitterness and hatred in the heart find its expression in words, God says, you're, you're, you're guilty of the same sin as murder. Wow. Wow. You say, well, I've never killed anybody. Oh, yeah, well, let's go back through your Facebook feed. We're all guilty. Let's go back through your text threads. Let's go back through your conversations. See, we as humans, we get hung up on the technicality. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't touch anybody. And the Lord says, you, you've been, you, you reduce this commandment down to the technicality. And you focused on when somebody actually kills. You focused on just the judgment that comes from the local court, from the Sanhedrin, from the Romans. But God says there's something in your heart that is in danger. I like what... Martin Lloyd-Jones, by the way, one of my favorite commentaries is a little commentary just on the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters in Matthew, written by an old preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he makes this statement. He says, here we are confronted not only with actual murder, but with all this within our hearts, feelings and sensibilities, and ultimately our spirit that is regarded by God as murder. God regards the emotions in our heart that we have against others unjustly, the hatreds and the bitterness and the envies and the strife. God regards those as murder. So I've never killed anyone, and we could, be, we could say, look, I'm not guilty of that. But Jesus says... You're missing the spirit of the law. The paradigm of the Ten Commandments is much bigger than the technical things. 
And what, what had happened to Judaism at the time that Christ returns is they, they had fallen prey to just achieving the technicalities. That's why the rich young ruler comes to Christ and says, Lord, I've kept the law all my life. And the Lord said, no, you haven't. Go sell all you have. Give to the poor. Take up the cross and follow me. If you really had kept the law and the spirit of the law from the very beginning, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Honor thy father and mother all the way through. He would have gladly said, I'll sell everything because everything I have is already yours. I'm already living at your blessing. I'm already following after you. But yet the Bible says that he went away sorrowful. I wonder how many right now thought before 2020 that they were living for God. But now a pandemic comes in. And now there's been what we would say a sifting. And now you've got to really make your decisions. Now getting in the word and connecting with God's spirit and connecting with God's body is not an automatic. And we can really easy unplug. And we, we miss church because church isn't having church in person. It's different. And we can fly under the radar and nobody knows what's going on. And, and we think, oh, well, technically I haven't committed adultery and I'm not stealing, not murdering. I'm still serving God. But we fall prey to the technical things and we're not letting the spirit of God work in our heart. Brother Zarita and I were talking Sunday and we were talking, having this conversation. He said, Pastor, I think, I think we've talked about it. He said, I, I think that what this pandemic is doing is it's just sort of manifesting what was already there. The people that were living for God before are still living for God. The people that were having a hard time before are having a hard time now. And what it's doing is it's just manifesting what was already at work and already at play in your heart. So this, I'm going to pause here tonight. I'm not going to go any farther, but this, if you can grab this, this is a case case, uh, perfect, perfect case in point where Christ gives us of the interpretation of the law. We can go back to the 10 commandments on each one of these. We also know that these commandments are successive and, and they are foundational. Another place I could, I'll, I'll jump to the end here real quick. Paul said this, he said, I, I thought I was a keeper of the law. He said, until I got to the 10th one that says thou shalt not covet. And that 10th one has nothing to do with any technical thing. It's what's happening. It has everything to do with what's happening inside your spirit. The 10 commandments were very spiritual, but they didn't allow it to change their spirit and change their heart. And that's why God through the mouth of the prophet Ezekiel said, someday I'm going to write my commandments on their heart. He said, I'll put my spirit in them. I'm going to tell you, that's what's beautiful about the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Spirit. And that's what's wonderful about repenting of your sins and being baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's like God writes His commandments on the table of my heart. I may not know the letter of the law and I, I may not understand all of the things that I've got to keep. But when the spirit of the law is in me, I by nature become a keeper of the law. That's what we need. We don't need a list of rules. We need a change of heart. And that's what Christ invites us to at the cross. I preached about it Sunday and it's just I'll bring it up again because it's so powerful to me that 
the most afflicted and abused and, and, and in despair person in the entire world. The cross comes to them and says, you need salvation just like your abuser, just like your accuser. Now, Jesus Christ is the one who comes and he catches, they bring the woman caught in the act of adultery to him and they're ready to stone her there and they try to trick the Lord up and he says, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. He reminds them, the law was given by God, but you're not God. One by one, they drop the stone and they walk away. And then the Lord looks at her and says, where are thy accusers? She looks around and says, there's no one. And he says, neither do I condemn thee. And then he invites her to something powerful. Go and sin no more. Those that have been abused, those that have been afflicted, the cross comes to us all. We're not a victim of our circumstance. The cross sees us as we were made in the image of God, but fallen short of the glory of God. And the cross invites us to repentance. So it's the cross that invites both the murderer on death row to repentance and the victim, the family members of the victim that the murderer destroyed. The cross comes and invites them also to repentance because what we need is not just to follow a set of rules. What we need is we need a savior in our heart. I need saving. You need saving. But for the grace of God, there go I. My pastor always said we are level at the foot of the cross. When we come to the cross, when we come to the altar, God doesn't see preachers and this person and that person. He sees sinners in need of salvation. That's why he said of the Pharisee who said, God, thank you for not making me like this sinner. He said of him, he said, his prayer is not heard, but the one that sat in the corner and beat upon his chest and said, God, have mercy upon me for I'm a sinner. He said, that man, that's, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. Amen. I don't want to be just a follower after the technical things and miss the whole spirit. You know, we could follow the technicality of the law. We could follow the technicality even in church, but we can miss the spirit of the law. That's why we're okay right now with in the midst of a pandemic. We're okay that you're at home and I'm here. God's not punishing us because the technicality is not that we have to come to 6920 Old Collinsville Road to be the church. No, the spirit is we're the body of Christ and we operate as the body of Christ. And we worship God. We connect with God's word. We connect with God's spirit and we connect with God's body. So I hope that blesses you. And that's where that's going to give you a little highlight. We'll wrap this up next week. We'll finish the series, Lord willing, next week. But because I am a look at the Ten Commandments, this is what it's all about. I, I don't want to just be keeping the technical aspects. I want to I want the spirit of the law to touch my heart. I wonder if you would right now as we begin to close out with music. I wonder if you could just bow your heads right where you're at, set everything else aside, and let's ask God to have his way. Lord, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the power of your spirit, God, that endeavors to work in our life. I thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. God, every morning, your faithfulness is so great. And God, we need you. I pray for everyone that's listening tonight, everyone that's tuned in, everyone that's joining us. I pray right now, God, that our heart would be open. Let your word, God, saturate our life, change our heart, change our soul. God, let us not just follow the technical things, but let there be a change in the spirit. 
I pray, God, specifically with this commandment, help us, help us, God, not to hold on to causeless angers and hatreds and bitterness and strife, but let us work towards reconciliation. You said, as, as we continue on, you said if there, was a, if there was a cause, if there was aught somebody has, leave your gift on the altar, go be reconciled. I pray, God, we do that right now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.